listening to Hope for Today Church podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. So we're going to turn the word this afternoon. We're continuing in the Advent journey, unwrapping Christmas, unwrapping peace. And Raiden John 1 helps set the backdrop, if you will, picking up where we left off last week. In John 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And that light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming to the world and he was in the world and the world was created through him and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not a natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And continuing in verse 15, John testified concerning him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only son who is himself God and is at the father's side. He has revealed him. Jesus, the fullness of God himself, is right here where we get the picture of how God operates the three in one, the Trinity, the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus himself is God. This wonderful picture, this wonderful depiction of God's love for us being unwrapped and revealed before our very eyes, coming in human form of flesh, born into the world to accomplish what we could not accomplish for ourselves, reconciliation with God that lasts forever. More. This is a beautiful picture as we look at in anticipation of this Christmas season that at its very core, it's a time of anticipation. It's a time of spiritual preparation for the celebration of the birth of Jesus. And last week we were emphasizing the importance of looking back at the significance of Christ's arrival, his first coming, as much as we look forward to his return. But we'll see here as we look at this nativity story, the the origin story, if you will, that this journey from anticipation to the fulfillment of the birth of Christ, a Messiah for the whole world, 
is a narrative that underscores his transformative power and presence in each of our lives, even in the most demanding and challenging circumstances we will ever face. That because he is God, Jesus can bring about transformative, lasting transformative change with the ultimate realization of this, that when he returns, the fullness of that peace plan will be realized. The fullness of it and thereof. And so when we think about this, when we think about this picture in John 1, as we prepare ourselves spiritually, that it's important that we live with anticipation, ongoing anticipation. God, would you move in my midst? God, today, would you move in and through me and my family? God, you are working. You know, when I was reading John 1 in preparation to to transition us to Luke 1, I wrote this, why would you want it any other way? What good reason would you have to shy away from his light, to shy away from his transformative power and presence in your life? And John, the beloved disciple, writes actually in John chapter 3, he says, there were those who loved the darkness more than the light. And they didn't want to come to light for fear that their deeds would be exposed. But the beautiful picture of why we have here on our banner, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, is that Jesus sees our shortcomings and our failures. But he says, I've come into the world for you. I've revealed myself to you. I'm taking your burden. I'm taking your plight of life. And I'm giving you peace as you look to me. And I'm going to light the way through the darkness. Why would you have it any other way? This is the picture at this Christmas time when you look as the trees were lit, that light in the darkness. That light in the darkness. How can we encounter this transformative light, this transformative peace? And so this afternoon, we want to look at that it comes with the beginning of reception of God's plan in Christ and living with that ongoing anticipation of God's wonder-working power in and through him in our life. And as forerunners, spiritually empowered to witness as God fills us with his kingdom purposes. How many of you want to be filled with his kingdom purposes? You want to be used by God. You're more than just, man, this is great. I want to, I'm reading the Bible and it's a great story. You want to see it come alive, alive and well within your life. And it all be, begins with receiving what the word says about Jesus himself, who is God, and what he says over you. That's the first step. The second step is when it's not happening in the time frame that we desire, continue with anticipation that he's working in you and he's going to bring it through to completion. Sometimes it's easier said than done. But when we look to the Christmas story, we can understand that when we live with this anticipation, not give up, that God's favor is on the way. And the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, helps illustrate this. And so we're going to delve into chapter 1 here briefly this afternoon and look at one of the key immediate events that paint this picture for us. The event that even led up to the birth of Christ, and that was the birth of Christ's forerunner, John the Baptist. So we see here in Luke 1 
verse five, in the days of King Herod of Judah, Judea, there was a priest from Abidjah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. Both are righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive and both of them were along in years. And when his division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. And it happened that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. And so at the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people were praying outside. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will name him John. Here at this time, a beautiful picture of God and and answered prayer. But long before that, there's an anticipation of peace in the darkness. And as you look at this for a moment, I'll try and paint a picture for you that at this point in time, during the, the rule of King Herod the Great, and the reason why he was great, because you're probably asking what made him so great, is he had these building projects, if you will, all these this infrastructure plans that he was pouring into the kingdom, and that is where he got his name. And during that time, there were other things in which he became not popular for and how he would treat the birth of Christ. But even leading up to that moment, the cultural context, the attitudes and behavior of the people is important to note. Because leading up to this moment, this interaction of the priest Zechariah, there was this palpable anticipation and longing. There's those words again. Anticipation and longing for Messiah to come because the people were living under foreign occupation and rule. They were essentially experiencing oppression on many fronts. And arguably the greatest of them was the loss of autonomy. Loss of autonomy. Could you imagine losing the freedom that you enjoy? Could you imagine garrisons throughout the region of foreign troops asking where you're going, what your business is as you would cross the line, so to speak, of the territory. They had this loss of autonomy because of this foreign rule. In fact, King Herod was an appointed ruler by the Roman Senate. He was essentially a proxy ruler for the Roman Empire. And so the people were at odds. There was this occupation. There was that issue. And then there was the religious expectation that the Jewish people in the midst of it all which you can appreciate this side of the story, this holding on to the promises of God. Well, it's been written, God, in your word that your your Messiah is going to come and will deliver us. And so they held on to this. Many lived with despair while others lived with expectation. They anticipated this Messiah, this deliverer, this king and redeemer would come and they would be all three because if it wasn't a king or or a person with that kind of authority moving in that way, how else could he fulfill the prophecies of restoring Israel's glory and freedom? A deliverer, a redeemer, and a king. 
Micah and the prophet Isaiah would prophesy about this king, this deliverer to come. And so in the midst of this political atmosphere and religious expectation, there was this spiritual desperation. It's safe to say that they were hungry. They were longing. The spiritual climate was ripe because they were longing for God to move in their midst. To move in their midst. It was much more than a political shift. They were expecting that God would come and visit with them and move amongst them once again. And so they had this combination of political oppression, religious expectations, and spiritual desperation, which created this backdrop for the birth of John to unfold. This was the scene. This is what was happening in a short summary, which carried a profound significance that the people were ripe and ready for the long-awaited Messiah to appear. But first, the forerunner needed to be introduced, who would pave the way and continue to speak anticipation and longing for Messiah. For 450 years, there was silence from the Lord. 450 years. Sometimes we lose our minds, you know, jokingly saying, when we don't hear from the Lord for maybe a week. 450 years. It was this catalyst that would stoke the flames of fire, if you will, for people to say, Lord, we want you. Move in us once again. But the silence, it's important to note as we continue in this story, the silence was depicted by the prophet Amos in chapter 8, verse 11, it says, Look, the days are coming. This is the declaration of the Lord God when I will send famine through the land. Not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And this essentially happened because the people of covenant promise were taking excessive liberties because of their special relationship with God. Because of their special relationship with God, they weren't serving the Lord with, with reverence and longing as they once did. And so here was that prophetic declaration for 450 years. They haven't heard a word. They hadn't seen God move in the, in the many ways he had moved previously. And then one day, one day, the priest, Zechariah, by lot, by chance, if you will, was selected to go into the inner temple and to offer incense and there, at that hour of essence in verse 10, it says the angel Gabriel appeared to him and gave him good news. His wife would bear and conceive a son and his name would be named John. After all that time of longing and desperation, God would miraculously work in them so that John would be born, signaling the very first part of God's intervention in the world. The forerunner preparing, prepare the way of the Lord. 
And here it says again um, in verse 14, and there will be joy and delight for you and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteousness to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. What an incredible, humbling assignment. I know some of us might be hard to say no drinking wine or beer, but here it was important. He was setting himself apart that his life would not be consumed with those things. And I'm not speaking against those things, but his life, his assignment was concerned with preparing the way of the Lord. And Zechariah was just going about his day, just going about his day and the work before him when the angel appeared to him. You know, sometimes we just need to go about being faithful in the things that God has called us to. Maybe it's even things he may not enjoy doing, but God's favor is in that. His favor is on the way. Here, Zechariah, it's not like this really glorified work that maybe you picture as you read this. The, the, the real truth of it here is the incense was important because the temple in many respects was a slaughterhouse, okay? Because there were these sacrifices that were being offered to the Lord. And so it was right to think that it would have a bit of a potentially unpleasing aroma. And so as they're burning this essence in accordance with the, 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 the description of their duties laid out in Exodus 30, Zachariah is faithfully doing this. And I can just imagine if you burn essential oil in the house, whenever there's an unpleasant smell in the room, imagine what Zachariah was going through. He gets over, he's like, man, that's fresh. And he's there with the incense, right? A practice that was conducted for many reasons, but included that warding off those unpleasant smells. Typically, the priests would enter and exit in a timely fashion. They would not linger for a long time. As we see here in the, the rest of the chapter, it says the people were, were amazed in verse 21 that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. And when he did not come out, he could not speak to them. Then they realized he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. The people were rightfully concerned, amazed. The word there is reverence because they were maybe concerned that Zachariah, well, what has he done? He's in there for a really long time. Has, has he forgotten his, his, his role in there? Is he offering the proper incense, so to speak? But while he was in there, this quality of time happened with the angel Lord and, and shared this wonderful good news. And the people realized that he was with the Lord. And what this shouted to me as I was reading this, our faith is not meant to be lived in isolation. It's meant to be public. It's meant to be seen. They said they saw that he had received a vision. In other parts of scripture, it says they saw that he had been with the Lord. Don't shy away from the radiance of his light because what God's doing in you, he's gonna speak to others through your life the hands that you hold into eternity. Another important part we can take away from this interaction is to serve the Lord in every season. 
Do not seek retirement. You know, Zachariah, he wasn't moping around at home with Elizabeth feeling sorry for themselves. I'm sure they had those moments like, God, we've been praying and asking for a son and they've been waiting and they've been longing because of the season they had been in. They were childless. But here we see it says when it was his time, he got to work. He got to work and the angel of the Lord appeared to him. If you're ever feeling down, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling anxious, the most important thing you can do is not to run from the Lord, but run to him. Go about the work that he's called you to because there in that place, he's gonna speak to you. He's gonna minister to you right where you're at. And then when he speaks, he's gonna say, I'm doing something for you. I'm doing something in you. And you're never gonna be the same. Zachariah and Elizabeth, their life was forever changed. Makes me think of Ephesians 2 verse 10. It says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance and that we should walk in them. The Lord can speak to us and through anyone and anywhere that he so chooses. And for Zechariah, it was within that very temple complex. Think how fitting that is for a moment with Zechariah as this priest. He only served periodically, a few times throughout the year, as was custom of the other priests. But here we see the prophesied Messiah, which we know to be Jesus Christ, he would serve in a permanent priesthood as high priest, offering once for all time in his body the, the sacrifice necessary for us to be sanctified once and for all that Jesus went in, he took care of the business, so to speak, and then it's done forevermore. He never slipped up. He, he accomplished what the Lord sent him to do. But here's this wonderful picture, the comparison of Christ and that of Zechariah and the priesthood. We're shown in Hebrews 7, verse 23. Now many have become Levitical priests since they are prevented by death from remaining in office. But because he remains forever, he holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, you can take this to the bank. This is the anchor for your very soul. He is able to save completely those who come to God through him since he always lives to intercede for them. And that's why I asked the question in the very beginning, why would you want it any other way? Why shy away from his presence and his marvelous light? Imagine what God can do through you when you're receptive to his call. You're receptive to his voice, living with ongoing anticipation. And so point, walking away point number one is this. Do not underestimate God's care and investment in your life. Do not underestimate that care and investment in your life. God answers prayer. Hello, it was 450 years before Jesus arrived on the scene. Sometimes that breakthrough may take some time, but don't lose heart. Don't give up. He is faithful to birth. If I can put it this way, he's faithful to birth his goodwill and purpose in your life to the glory of his name when you look to Jesus. Now, we can't emphasize that enough, especially in the Christmas season, in many respects, has become uh, all about commercialism. 
But when we look to the light of the world, the light in the darkness, when you look to him, it's never a failure. When you look to him, he answers prayer. This is true in every season and especially in season where our prayers appear to go unanswered. Look in verse 25, Elizabeth's reaction to this good news the angel declared. It says, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor upon me in these days. What the Lord spoke to me in my heart was to say to you today, the Lord's favor is upon you. He is with you in these days. Keep on in this season. Don't allow the commercialism to weigh you down because it's not about that. If it's causing an issue, if it's causing you to stumble, surrender those things and just get intimate with Jesus. Say, Lord, I thank you that you are there, that you were on your throne, that you came for me, that you dwelt among us and your glory is being revealed by all. And I thank you that your glory is being revealed in and through my life to the glory of your name. His favor is flowing to you. Do you receive that? His favor is flowing to you. You know, Zachariah and Elizabeth, their prayers went up to heaven like an incense, just like Zachariah's role. And they were encountering this peace in their heart in the real time when the angel said, good news, you're going to have a son. Can I get an amen for answered prayer? You're going to have a son. And not only that, they were praying along with the whole nation, the whole nation for the most high to be amongst them for Messiah to come. And this signaled this birth of John who'd be the forerunner of Jesus signaled that God was intimately involved in human history and his commitment to peace in the world. His faithfulness was flowing. The prayers for a son were being answered and that I can bet here tonight or this afternoon with you that this exceeded their expectations. It doesn't say that they were praying that their son would be the forerunner of the Messiah. They were simply praying for his son and then God said, I hear your prayers and I'm gonna do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you can ask, imagine, or think. Paul said that in his letter that God can do those very things. Look what he did. The son would be born and that he would be this great forerunner of Christ. In verse 76 of Luke 1, it says, and you child, and this is Zachariah as the Holy Spirit came upon him and he, and he realized in the prophetic what his son would mean to the world. He says, and you child will be called a prophet of the most high for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This was John's mission. This was the purpose of this conception. And so point number two is this, embrace the role that God has for you in his kingdom. Embrace the role that he has for you and do not underestimate the impact you have in the faith journey of your family. 
Do not underestimate the impact you have on your family. Here we see John's assignment as forerunner and testifying about the light would never have began if it wasn't for Zachariah and Elizabeth's faithfulness to be receptive to what the Lord wanted to do amongst them. They had that child and they praised God. Praise God. In verse 66, it says, all who heard about him took it to heart, saying, what then will this child become? For indeed, the Lord's hand was with him. In verse 64, it says, immediately Zachariah's mouth was open and his tongue was set free and he began to speak praising God. The people would see, the people would hear John out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Thanks be to God that he hears all our prayers. Thanks be to God that he exceeds our expectations. And here we can see the Zachariah and leading up to the nativity story of Christ teach us here this afternoon, there is reward in prayerful longing, reward in prayerful anticipation for his presence to come inhabit us and move in our midst, even when it's not occurring in the time in which we want it to happen. But he's working, he's moving, and he will respond in his appointed time. So point three is this. Be humble in your prayer and receive what the Lord has decided to give you. Be humble in that prayer and receive what the Lord has given you. You know, it's a great practice, very simply, practically speaking, as we can see a Christmas tree there's times where we receive a gift and maybe it's not exactly as you imagined it or exactly what you wanted, but it's a great exercise that when you get that gift, maybe when it's not, again, what, not what you expect, that you receive it with gladness. You receive it with joy. And here's Zachariah, when the angel spoke to him for a moment, in many respects, he says, how can I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is along in years. Now he asked a similar question to that of Abraham. But nonetheless, he became concerned essentially with the natural implications of their old age. And so the angel, kind of humorously, I like to look at it this way. Uh, to me, it's a little bit humorous. The, the angel says, okay, you want a sign? This will be a sign to you. You won't be able to speak until this comes to fruition. And then when John was born, his mouth was loosed to declare and to praise God. And so point four is this, give praise to the Lord when he moves. And if you're experiencing your hardness in your heart, when you go through that exercise, it'll begin to melt like butter. Like popcorn in the microwave. As you go through that exercise and live like that, it just melts we melt like wax in the presence of the Lord as, as we operate and give praise to him that when God moves, even as we await his moving, give praise to him because he deserves all our praise. And to tie things up with the nice bow, here's Zechariah. He realized the fitting importance of giving praise to the Lord because this was a gift he could not give his wife. The power was not within him to give her the son. They were beyond the years in which that would naturally occur. And so this had to be miraculous. 
And God moved and he intervened. And it's so fitting for us to believe that God can move in the midst of in our doubts, in the midst of our fear, in the midst of the impossible, because his favor is on the way. And all we have to do is be receptive to how he wants to move. Experiencing this peace, experiencing this renewed life that comes through the name of the Lord begins with reception. Reception. God, would you move in me? Would you move in me today? And you linger and you wait, even if it takes time. But I can promise you, because it's the promise of the very word itself, that he is faithful to complete the work that he has begun inside of you. He is faithful to birth his goodwill and purpose in your life to the glory of God. Do you believe this? When you look at the nativity story this Christmas season, realize what the Lord has done and how, his, how he's moving, how he has moved and how he's moving today, that his favor is on the way and he's moving within you to be an active participant, therefore, in his story at home and in the world. And so I'm going to invite John to come as we respond. Don't underestimate the impact that you have at both home and in your community. We've already emphasized the home piece, but we're supposed to live it out in the public sphere, out into the marketplace, if you will. And when you think about this impact at home and in the community, the impact you have in the faith journey is so profound because what you bind and loose, as the scripture, scripture says, and what you allow and sow, that that will be seen and known by those around you. And it says here in the, in the account of John and Zachariah's family, the community saw the Lord at work within their lives. And they said to Zechariah, you have been with the Lord. That's my prayer this Christmas, that God's still working in me. I mean, I have my cousin here today and he can probably even testify I'm a work in progress. We're all a work in progress. But my prayer is that the Lord would be revealed in me like a shining light on the tree that people can say, there's something different about you and you're able to give testimony. It's Jesus. Maybe even to the point, so miraculously, people can say, you've been with Jesus. So to the things of God, being attentive to his guidance and acknowledging his presence in your life. And that begins with getting to work and being in the place that God has called you to be. Go to the place that God has called you to be and he is moving, his presence is all around you as you live with a sense of anticipation, actively preparing your heart to receive him anew each day. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your tangible presence in our life. God, you are so good to us. Lord, thank you. This wonderful story, this nativity story, leading up to the nativity, Lord, of the birth of John, the forerunner of your name. 
Lord, we thank you for these practical steps that we can glean from your word about being the places that we are to be. And Lord, that you are there. You're in the midst of it all. And Lord, you desire to speak to us. And Lord, as we're receptive to your voice and what you desire to do within our life, Lord, that you move so powerfully and wonderfully even beyond our expectations and beyond what we could ever possibly dream. And Lord, the great dream of hope for today that you birthed in this assembly, it's within each person here. Lord, you reveal to my heart that they would be your lights hope of glory living and manifesting within each of them hope for today lord we thank you that you are igniting your hope you are igniting your peace within each one of us as we give our life to you in faith in jesus name amen amen would you stand if you're able let's worship the lord king of kings together
I pray a special blessing that as they go out, Lord, as we heard this message, that we thank you, Lord King Jesus, for coming. And we look forward to worshiping you again here together next week. We love you, Lord. When the church says, amen. God bless you all. We see you all next week. God bless.